Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Bible sees it as a time, and the Bible writers see it as a time to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, to grow in the newness of life, to live as these chosen special people of God. So having spent the beginning of the letter teaching Christians who they are, now the letter makes a complete turn. Now he goes into how we are to live with God, under God, how we are to live with each other, and how we are to live in the world. Pastor Jim has been sharing with us what Christianity is and how it not only benefits us, but how it looks to others around us. In today's message, Pastor Jim will transition into giving us the details of how Christians should live. As you may have already guessed, Christianity isn't simply a one-time decision to follow Jesus. Christianity is a lifestyle change, one where the plans of God are put first in our lives. This new way of living is a daily choice that needs to be made, and with God's help, we can do it. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter with part one of his message entitled, God's People Are Different. Well, as we continue our verse-by-verse study in the book of 1 Peter, the letter of 1 Peter, we spoke about Christians as being God's special people, that they were a people, we are a people if we're Christians. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you are most welcome. And we covered that we were made special by God, adopted, if you will, by God, uh, as Jesus and the apostles taught, as the whole Bible teaches, because of the life, death, resurrection, ascension, what we call the work of Jesus Christ, and the response of faith and trust that anyone has in Jesus, in his work. Okay, so we know all that, or maybe we don't, but now we know it, right? What does that really look like? What does that mean? Does that just mean we show up at church? Well, I'm here. I'm here. I'm, you know, stop. I'm here. You don't, need to, you don't need to teach us anymore. Does it mean that we speak Christianese? Like we know this strange secret club kind of lingo, you know, and, uh, you know, to ever drive some, past some place and you're like, I wonder what goes on inside that building. And they're like, what's the password? And so are we a place where people have to know the password to come in and, and here it is what we have to say? Maybe it means that we have a fish, on the back of our car, right? And people say, well, you're a Christian because I can tell by the back of your car. Some of us, the way we drive, we should not have fish <laughs> on the back of our car. And I'm always made fun of, you know, before I was a Christian, I didn't become a Christian until I was 29, so that was early last year. Um, so <laughs> I, I was a real lead foot. You know the guy going down the parkway, zipping and out of the traffic, going 100 miles an hour? Uh, that was me. And then my future mother-in-law, after I became a Christian, told me that Pam was terrified of my driving, and it was like the Holy Spirit hit me with a baseball bat, and I just slowed down. And now everybody complains that I drive too slow. But occasionally, I go back to the old man. This is a true story of what happened this morning. Well, I was not in my normal routine this morning. Some things were a little bit different, so I left my house late. So I pulled on to Route 15, and the car in front of me was going very slow, so I zipped around it. 
and I realized it was one of the ladies from the church. <laughs> so as I'm driving up to that light by the diner, I said, oh, I know what's going to happen next, Lord. That light is going to be yellow, and I'm going to have to make a decision. So, so as I'm going, there it turns yellow with a slight shade of red. <laughs> And so I kept going through it, and I pulled into the parking lot, and I ran in, and hopefully she wouldn't see me. And then all during the last sermon, I'm thinking, like, she knows, she knows. So I said, did you see me zip around you and maybe run that red light? And she goes, that was you? (laughs) She didn't even know. But anyway, that's why I don't have a fish on the back of my car. (laughs) But anyway, what are the things that, that make us Christian maybe in in sort of a weird kind of club fashion. Is there more? Well, actually, there's more. There's much, much more. And there's many people that would sit in this audience and say, since I have come to faith in Jesus Christ, while my relatives think that my world has been turned upside down, I know that my world has been turned right side up. Listen how the Apostle Peter put it. We left off last week, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. He says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him. Right? Now, we want, how are we going to do that? Do we just sing? Is there more to it than that? We're going to talk about that today. We sing the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, verse 10, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. They have, we have received the much-needed mercy and forgiveness of God. I love the way the Apostle Paul puts it, very well-known verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that word in, so important, in Christ, he is a new creation. What's happened to the old things? The old things have passed away. Remember we said last time or the time before that God gives you a new past. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become New. So when a person comes to put their trust in Jesus Christ, they are from God's point of view new. They are special. They come into the church where it's the gathering of God's new people, of his own special people, and something else changes, and that's what he's going to now take us to in this part of the letter. And it's the title of our message is God's people are different. Last week it was God's special people, or God's people are special. This week, it's God's people are different. Now, this letter, 1 Peter, it's a letter, it's an epistle, sometimes we call it a book, is a letter written to churches in the area of what we know today as Turkey. The Bible writer is the Apostle Peter, writing approximately 63 to 65 AD, approximately 30 years after Jesus Christ has died on the cross and ascended into heaven. And we have been saying that for them, times are tough. What do we mean by times are tough? Well, we said in our earlier studies that they were kind of on the outskirts of the Roman Empire, but the pressure of Rome is starting to, let's call it, get close. They're starting to feel it, as we are in our society, that our culture has grown increasingly hostile towards Christianity. I mean, there's a few things they're okay with. 
They're okay with the bake sales, right? They're okay with bingo. They're okay with fundraising and stuff like that. We go to outreaches that we do in the community. We'll go to you know, some town, we'll have a day and we'll, we'll set up a table. And most of the other churches are doing fundraising or just handing out invitations. Our table is like stacked. The other churches come and take stuff from our table a lot. And we have free Bibles and messages and we're praying with people and we're sharing the gospel with people. And you know what? Some of those towns don't like that. I mean, one of the towns, which will remain nameless because I don't want us to get bounced from there, and a guy comes up to me, the lead, he goes, I'm the head of this whole thing. And he said, yes. I said, yes. And he goes, you are proselytizing. And I said, yes, I am, sir. <laughs> and he says, you're not supposed to do that. I go, really? <laughs> and he said, ah, whatever. And he ran away. But people don't like that. They grow hostile. People don't want to hear about the call to repentance and faith. We said last week the need for God's mercy is a stumbling block for many people, yet Peter knows that when you remove the stumbling block of the gospel, that when you need to have God's forgiveness, God's mercy, God's grace, you need to put your trust in Jesus. If you remove any one of those things, you no longer have the gospel. And he had to learn it the hard way. Because when he was walking around with Jesus, Jesus asked him, said, hey, man, who do you say I am? And he said, you know, you're the Christ, man. And he said, hey, Simon Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you but my Father in heaven. And so Peter's probably like, yeah, check me out, check me out. And then Jesus says, then here's what's going to happen now. I'm going to go die on the cross in Jerusalem. And Peter goes, no, you're not, Lord. You know, the guy who's always helping God out. No, you're not, Lord. And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. What does he say? Now my father's not talking anymore. Now Satan's, that's Satan talk. Why? Because if you remove one component from the gospel, you no longer have a gospel anymore. This is why we have in our country right now a lot of people more so being invited to a better life, right, instead of the fullness of the gospel. Oh, we can't tell them that because that's going to stumble them. And then we wonder why so few people are really changed and giving evidence that they are Christians. And so what was happening in their culture? They were being mocked by the culture. The culture was telling lies about them. Imagine that, people lying about Christians. You say, well, what could they possibly say about those people? Well, you know how we call each other in the church brothers and sisters? And occasionally, listen, this is what's supposed to happen. You know, we have a, you know, a brother in the church and, and he meets a sister in the church and they decide that they're gonna you know, be, get married and that, that's great. Well, what did the, the people back in the Roman Empire say? That's incest. You can't have a brother and sister marry one another, but it's the language that we use of brother and sister in the family. Also, sometimes we say, you know, in communion, it's the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And so what did the people in the Roman Empire say? Those guys are a bunch of cannibals. I mean, they're just eating body and blood, man. That's, that's what they're doing. And so also when things were going wrong, it's easy to do what? Blame the Christians, right? It's very easy. They're just so loving. They're so kind. They're supposed to love their enemies. They're not going to say a word. So we'll blame the Christians for everything. So you have to remember that it's not a matter of if we're going to be persecuted. It's a matter of when and it's a matter of how. But never, 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 friends, does the Bible writers... Do the Bible writers give us an out when times are tough as an excuse to go back to the old ways? Rather, the Bible sees it as a time and the Bible writers see it as a time to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, to grow in the newness of life, to live as these chosen special people 
of God. So having spent the beginning of the letter teaching Christians who they are, now the letter makes a complete turn. Now he goes into how we are to live with God, under God, how we are to live with each other, and how we are to live in the world. And before we go into these sections over the next few weeks, it's very important for us to realize this is not some guilt trip. In my old age, I'm becoming cantankerous and cranky. You're like, Jim, you've always been cantankerous and cranky. has nothing to do with your age. But I really have become very critical, discerning, which just means I'm critical, uh, critical of what I call guilt-based preaching. Just that just going to make everybody feel guilty, and then, you know, if I make you guilty enough, you'll all come up at the altar, and you'll all kneel down, and you think, because you came up and you knelt down, you can actually buy books on this. How sick is that? That you'll go out, and the things are the same, but God doesn't want us just to feel guilty. He does want to touch our heart with the things that we're doing wrong, but he wants to transform us. He wants us to conform us into the image of Christ, make us into something and someone that we never thought could be possible. So we have to look at that as we move forward in this. So if you're taking notes, three things we want to highlight uh, today. And number one is Christians are strangers. Christians are strangers. Now, that doesn't mean we're supposed to deliberately go out and try to be strange. But that does mean that people will see us as strange, and we'll talk about why in a second. He says, verse 11, beloved. Very, very important word. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. Some versions say aliens and exiles. Others say strangers. Others say foreigners. My favorite is temporary residents. As temporary residents of earth, look at this, abstain from And the idea there is to continually keep away from, continually avoid fleshly lusts. Some of your versions say the passions of the flesh. Other versions say sinful desires. We would say things that are contrary to the word of God, but also that the culture might look at us and say, you know, they're just like everybody else. So if we're in corporate America, if we're trying to climb the corporate ladder by stomping on everybody who's in our path, they would go, they're just like everybody else. So there's a lot of things that in our culture that the Bible says we can't do that our culture says no problem, but there's other things that the Bible says we can't do that our culture says we can't do either. And that's where cultures change and and the ideals come and go. So we are to stay away, abstain from things, from fleshly lusts, which war, interesting choice of words, the idea is war continually against the soul. So there is a war for your soul. There is a war for my soul. Contrast, verse 12, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, some people think the day of visitation means judgment day. I don't think it does, but we'll get to that in a second. So we've already seen as a special people, as a chosen people, we are the beloved children of God. We are divinely loved by our heavenly father. We are chosen by him to be his children. And now we are strangers to earth. This is no longer our home. We are citizens of heaven. And so now we have a different mindset than planet earth has. And so here Peter says, I beg you, do not... Give in to the war that is raging in your soul. 
Do not give in to the war to be like the rest of the world because you are different now. You are not who you used to be. And before you said, oh, I'm feeling so bad. If you care, you're different, right? How many people do you know that just go do their own thing and they don't care at all? One of the signs that you are a child of God is that you do care, right? We always say this. A lot of people say this, right? God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. So he's at work in you, wants a maturity in his people, and so it's okay that, that we're struggling with these things, but we have to pray that God would help us. And Peter knows all about it. He says, it's a war. Now here's a guy who walked with Jesus for three years, has been instrumental in Christianity exploding for the last 30 years in the Roman Empire, and he knows that it's not easy. And this is not a battle that a cultural Christian can fight. You say, what is a cultural Christian? Someone who just shows up at church, comes in, listens to what's going on there, says, okay, that's fine, and goes out the door and is no different, not changed at all, doesn't really care much about God. They just figure, well, going to church is a good thing. No, you and I can if we're cultural Christians. We can't fight that. We need the power of the word of God and the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not let go and let God. Take that bumper sticker off your car. While you're at it, take off the God as my co-pilot bumper sticker because I will go nowhere with you. <laughs> right? I may run red lights, but you're dangerous. Okay? <laughs> I momentarily took over. The, Jesus was like, should I put on automatic pilot? I'm like, I got it. Right? So, so I'm going. So it's not let go and uh, let God. The Bible says that our weapons are not carnal. We cannot fight this battle of desire with just kind of earthly weapons. And here's an important thing to remember, that when we give in to our sinful desires, at that very moment, Jesus Christ ceases to become the overseers of our souls. And that's very important. We're going to talk about that next week. That is so serious. And even entertaining desires even if they're not acted upon, will harm our soul, will render us ineffective in the Christian life, will make it almost impossible to experience the fatherly love that God wants to give all of us. But notice here, it's worn because it's dangerous. It's dangerous to you, I mean, how many people do you know have been ruined by their desires? It's dangerous to you. It's dangerous to others. It's dangerous to your relationship with God. Yet, it's commanded. Why? Because it's possible. Remember a couple weeks ago, the Lord said, be holy as I am holy. And we said that all these different things that God is, he never said be everywhere at the same time. He never said know everything. He never said you can turn water into wine, cure leprosy, create the world. He never, anything. He's, but he said you can be holy like I'm holy. And so here he says abstain from fleshly desires. So it is actually possible. Now, it doesn't happen all at once. It's something, it's, it's a fight. It's a war. It's something we take, we take the hill and you know, it's two steps forward, one step back. But if we're willing warriors, we're going to see victory so, in contrary to the values and opinions of our culture, 
You know, our culture says, well, you know, be who you are. Whatever you want is fine. I mean, there's just so many inconsistencies with that. I'm watching television the other night, uh, you know, my good friend Leroy Jethro Gibbs. And so I was watching the other night, and that's NCIS if you don't know what that is. I've been watching it since the beginning. It's my sinful desire. But, uh, but the lady who's on the team, Bishop, her husband has an affair. He's cheating with another woman, and they're all devastated, as they should be. But why is it on other shows? It's cool. It's the truest love ever. It's the most wonderful thing. You know, it's out of Africa love. No, that's not right. And so there's all of these things where our culture says be yourself, but there's a lot of casualties in being ourselves. And, and we're not the same self we used to be, right? Any of you cut your hair differently than you used to? Wear different clothes? Think differently? But while the world says be yourself, the Bible teaches that our, our desires can actually be restrained and they can actually be redirected in a healthy God way. So the call is to be different in our lifestyle, both for our own good. And if you're healthy in your lifestyle, if you have good godly desires, if you're able to say no things, you will be, you will be very successful in your life. You, you may not be rich, but you can hold your head up high that you're successful. You will be an employee that people will want. You can be confident that you are a Christian. But not only is it good for us, but it's good for the people around us. Because the people around us are actually watching, and he says that our conduct will influence, he says here, the Gentiles. By this time, we were differentiating between true Israel, the true people of God, and the Gentiles, which would be the non-true people of God. It actually really means nations. He's saying that our conduct, people who don't yet believe, will watch it, and they will actually consider the claims of Jesus Christ. Or if they were raised in the faith and they've walked away from the faith, very common experience for a lot of people, they will actually begin to, because of our lives, reconsider the claims of Jesus Christ. Now this is especially important at the holidays because this is what, a pattern that we see all the time in the church. December comes and some people just stop coming as much because they're getting ready for the holidays. When exactly, there's probably no more time you need to be around more than when you're getting ready for the holidays. Because what happens? If you're not prepared for your relatives, you get your clock cleaned at the holidays. <laughs> like, aren't you one of those Christian people, right? And either we're afraid, we're not walking in the boldness and newness of life, or we don't say anything because we have nothing to say. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's nothing in our heart. So we don't have anything to say. And then what happens is we don't come in January because we feel so bad, like, I'm not a Christian, I'm the worst, and whatever, whatever, whatever. But understand this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should reasonably expect the same treatment that Jesus got. Well, what happened to Jesus when he spoke the truth of the word of God, the truth of the gospel? They hated him, some people, right? And some people will hate you. Other people said, well, you know, you seem like a nice guy. I'm glad it's working for you. That's essentially what a lot of people said to him, but there were some people who came to repentance and faith, came to put their trust in Jesus. And it's important to note, and before you think evil of your evil relatives, that the world does not owe us an easy ride. But here Peter says, by your godly lifestyle, I will speak to their hearts. God will speak to their hearts. The Holy Spirit will speak to their hearts. 
Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Well, how does that work? Well, in in verse 12, he tells us here that some will see, but back in verse 9, he told us what happens, that they will be called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. They will come to put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website, changedbyloveradio.com? That's changedbyloveradio.com. Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching from the book of 1 Peter with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.